Hi, I'm Jayant Sriram and welcome to In Focus, the Hindu's analysis podcast. Thanks for joining us. On this episode of In Focus, we turn our attention to foreign affairs. On Thursday, that's yesterday, US President Donald Trump made a surprise announcement via Twitter that two of America's close allies in West Asia, which had been at odds with each other for decades, had reached a historic peace agreement. Now, according to the deal, the United Arab Emirates, UAE, will formally recognize the state of Israel, while the latter could halt its will halt its plans to annex parts of the occupied West Bank of Palestine. So to discuss this with me today, I have the Hindu's International Affairs Editor, Stanley Johnny. Stanley, thank you for joining us once again. It's been a while. Thanks, thanks, Jayant. Right. So, uh, Stanley, first uh, question to start with. Uh, I must confess that when I saw uh, President Trump's tweet yesterday, I saw the words uh, peace uh, treaty or peace agreement in Israel. And uh, my initial thought immediately went to, um, is this actually an Israel-Palestine uh, peace treaty? Because that's what uh, the Trump administration has been promising for a while. And then I saw that it was a peace treaty with uh, the UAE. Yeah. So, um, and I kind of uh, realized that this actually may have had a longer context to it. But of course, uh, foregrounded, of course, in the fact that Israel had uh, plans until recently for the annexation of parts of the West Bank in Palestine. That's right. So, um, just kind of, uh, let's just kind of set out the context here uh, in terms of why is this uh, peace treaty important? Yeah, uh, it's important in a sense. This is, uh, UAE is only the third country. Uh, and the first country in the Gulf, you know, uh, to have a peace agreement with Israel. So in that sense, yeah, it's it's a huge, it's a landmark agreement. There is no doubt about it. Uh, but at the same time, the UAE and uh, Israel had backroom contacts for a while. And for the last one year, they've been meeting. Uh, I think uh, the Trump administration uh, arranged a meeting between the Emiratis and the Israelis in, in February in Munich. And later in last August, again, another meeting. So this backroom channel negotiations were going on. This backroom contacts were going on. Uh, so that was the, 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 back, the, the background uh, to this agreement. Uh, but at the same time, how, you know, uh, yeah, it's true that whenever we say, whenever we hear the word peace treaty and Israel, we immediately think, does it have anything to do with the Palestinians? And also any peace agreement between an Arab country or, uh, you know, um, uh, or, or, and the Israelis will have, I mean, we think that will have some implications on the Palestinians. So likewise, here, if you look at the agreement announced by the Israelis and the Emirates, um, basically, uh, you know, um, the United Arab Emirates has promised to recognize Israel, establish a full diplomatic relationship, so which will lead to opening embassies, uh, you know, establishing business contacts, resuming flights. Now it's very difficult, right? If you want to go to, uh, you know, uh, uh, they, they allowed passage of flight recently through the Gulf. Otherwise, if you wanted to go to Israel uh, from India, you will have to go via either via Moscow or via Istanbul. It was like that. So now the flights will be opened, business contacts will be established, etc., etc. All kind of changes will happen. And in return, uh, Israel has promised to halt its plans to annex parts of the West Bank, because this plan was the, you know, Netanyahu fought the last three elections on his promises of annexing the West Bank uh, territories, because West Bank is part of the Palestine, West Bank, Gaza are part of the Palestine, 
uh, and the Palestinians see the West Bank as part of their future state. Uh, but the Israelis have, you know, set up settlements, have established settlements in parts of the West Bank, which is what Netanyahu uh, promised to annex, which is a very, you know, popular uh, promise among the hard right factions of the Israeli society and these right wing parties, which are supporting the Netanyahu government, the right religious parties, also want annexation to go through. Uh, but at the same time, this is a national unity government. And Israel has, Netanyahu has the support of his one-time rival, Benny Gantz, who wants the government to, you know, for now focus on um, uh, the coronavirus crisis. And his immediate priority, he, he doesn't have any ideological problems with annexation itself, but his, he says the immediate priority of the government should be elsewhere, should be something else. So, you know, uh, and if you look at it from uh, the Arab point of view. The Arabs, you know, they had established very good ties, backroom contacts with the Israelis, but even for them, uh, you know, annexation of West Bank territories by an Israeli government would pose serious diplomatic and political questions. So they would rather prefer the status quo to continue. So I think uh, that, that is the quid pro quo here because, yeah, the Emiratis have offered full recognition to Israel, which for Israel is a big deal because this is only the third Arab country that is recognizing uh, the, is the state of Israel. And for Emir what the Emirates got in Britain was a promise to annex, uh, a promise to suspend the annexation of the West Bank, which means the at least the status quo will continue. So, but the Palestinian practically did get nothing. I mean, you could say that annexation was halted, but still the occupation is continuing. And there is, I don't think that there is any, I mean, if you look at the joint statement issued by, uh, issued by the United States, by the United States, Israel, and UAE. There is no reference to it uh, of Israel making any relaxations in the ongoing occupation. Practically, Israel has endorsed the status quo. Right. No, I was going to ask about that because uh, where does this leave Palestine now? Because, because this is an implicit recognition of the status quo, um, the fact that Israel continues to occupy certain territories. Yeah. And yes, um, it is to sort of negotiate, uh, um, you know, an arrangement where Israel doesn't annex anything further. Yeah. But uh, th this deal basically means that, uh, you know, the troubles of the people of Palestine still continue, right? That's right. That's right. Yeah, because if you right. if you compare it with, uh, uh, you know, uh, the 1978-1979, the Camp David uh, talks happened in 79, Israel and Egypt concluded their peace treaty. But in 1979, uh, Israel had to, you know, uh, uh, accept the Gaza Strip. It, it it gave Gaza Strip back to Egypt, you know, and also the framework for the peace agreement between a potential Palestinian state and the state of Israel uh, was also agreed upon uh, in the as part of the peace, peace peace plan at that time between the Egyptians and the Israelis. Uh, but this time, if you look at the current agreement between the UAE and Israel, see what Israel has done. Israel has backed off from a threat. Israel hasn't changed the status quo. Israel hasn't changed any of its existing policies. What it has done, it has right. backed off from a threat which it, which it said it would carry out. So that is the concession. So there is a difference, no? There is a difference between backing off from a threat and changing the status quo and changing something that is already, that is actually present. So Israel hasn't actually changed the status quo. Israel hasn't actually offered any reprieve to the Palestinians, you know, to what they are suffering now. Uh, rather, Israel has promised to suspend what it had threatened to do, 
which the Emirates see as a major compromise. And in exchange for that, they have offered full recognition to Israel. So that's what exactly that's what actually happened between these two sides. And also, you know, uh, an interesting angle is that there is something called the Arab Peace Initiative, which is originally proposed by the Saudis and endorsed by the Arab League uh, a couple of times. Uh, first in 2002 and later, I think, uh, uh, even off, later on, Arab League re-endorsed it again. Uh, so the Arab Peace Initiative is that the Arab countries would offer full recognition to Israel in return for Israel's complete withdrawal from the occupied territories based on the 1967 border. So it was in the 1967 okay. that Israel occupied the West Bank, the Golan Heights, Gaza Strip, uh, East Jerusalem, etc., etc. So this is the Arab Peace Initiative. So the UAE, as the Arab League has endorsed this, the UAE is part of this. But now you see UAE has practically moved away from the Arab Peace Initiative because the Arab Peace Initiative is all about Arab countries offering recognition in return for Israel's complete withdrawal from the occupied territories. But Israel hasn't withdrawn from the occupied territories. And ironically, uh, the UAE agreement comes uh, say three years after the United States recognized Jerusalem as Israel's capital. And it, ca it, it comes a, one year after uh, Israel annexed the Golan Heights of Syria. Uh, so uh, interestingly, there is no actual compromise from, uh, from Israel, but it is the UAE that has moved away from the promises of the Arab Peace Initiative and making one-to-one -one peace agreement with Israel. Uh, that's why the Palestinians are upset. The Palestinians called it treason. You know, so they asked other members uh, of the Arab League to put pressure on the UAE not to go ahead with the agreement because they think they were completely abandoned because recognition was one of the main bargaining chips which the Arab countries had. And yeah, of course, the, uh, you know, Egypt made peace with Israel in 1979, Jordan made peace with Israel in 1994. Now, UAE is also following suit. Uh, and both Israel and the United States have expressed hope that more Arab and Muslim countries would recognize Israel. So if it happens, it would you know, radically change uh, Arab-Israeli relationship in the region. Right. Um, and you mentioned, you mentioned Saudi Arabia earlier. Uh, Saudi Arabia, of course, is the de facto leader of the Gulf uh, Sunni kingdoms. Yeah. Um, must, can we assume now that um, this deal struck between Israel and the UAE, um, that it has been done with uh, Saudi Arabia's blessings? Um, yeah, I think so, because I don't think UAE would act independently of Saudi Arabia while clinching, you know, such an important agreement with Israel. This is, this is, you know, uh, uh, it, 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 it's a break from history, right? I mean, it's a, it's a break from the UAE's or the Arab countries, the Sunni Arab countries' policies since 1948. So, it's a, in that sense, it's a historic decision. So, uh, while taking such a decision, the UAE, I don't think, would take a decision independent of Saudi Arabia. Uh, and also, the Saudis had also, you know, uh, enjoyed or established good background ties with Israelis for the last many years. Uh, so my uh, sense is that the Saudis are also on board. Whether Saudi Arabia would offer, you know, recognition to Israel, that we have to wait and see because Saudi Arabia being, as you said, being the de facto leader of uh, the Arab world, Saudi Arabia would expect a bigger compromise from uh, the Israeli side. Uh, to offer recognition. Uh, 
but other Arab countries are there, like Oman is there. Oman is Oman already has uh, good ties with Israel. Oman is there, Kuwait is there, Bahrain is there. Bahrain is practically, you know, um, following the GCC foreign policy. Uh, it doesn't pose itself as an uh, as a completely different country. So, uh, what you can what I think what you can expect is that if more countries are offering recognition to Israel, these smaller countries might do that. And they, they will also do it with Saudi blessings, I think. Because there is a larger convergence of interest between the Sunni Arab kingdoms in the Gulf and Israel in the region against Iran. Because both these factions, uh, which were at you know, each other's throat for a long time, um, you know, they fought in 1948, they fought in 1957, uh, they fought in 1967, and then they fought in 1973, uh, and even in 1982. Uh, but I think they have moved away from that, you know, that settings of those settings of uh, the Middle East. And now they see Iran as a potential threat, both these factions, both the Sunni Arab kingdoms as well as Israel. And they think that having open formal uh, you know contacts diplomatic relationships uh, among themselves would prepare them you know uh, better to take on uh, a hostile iran in the coming days right so yeah um, that's the other thing that i was going to ask so the the immediate israel threat of annexing um, settlements in the west bank could be one trigger for this agreement yeah. but um, as you've written also there is the kind of more larger looming threat of um, the the, the insecurity that all these countries feel about Iran. Yeah. Um, so where where does where can we place that also in the context of um, you know we have to talk about this also in the context of the upcoming U.S. elections perhaps and the fact that um, uh, the insecurity of these countries stems from um, President Obama's Iran nuclear deal, which yeah. the Trump administration backed out of, and now we're potentially talking about um, the Trump administration potentially. We don't know. I mean, we don't know that for sure yet, but potentially. Uh, losing the upcoming U.S. elections. Yeah. So how do we kind of factor all of this in together? Yeah, uh, you know there is there is an interesting convergence of interest between all these all these uh, sites: the United States, um, the Arab countries, and Israel, uh, with regard to this peace agreement. So if you look at yeah. it, yeah, uh, one factor is one major factor is uh, Iran, because you know um, you look at the current dynamics of West Asia through the Israeli and the Arab eyes. Because there are two possibilities. One possibility is that, suppose that President Trump returns to power, which is the best possibility for them, for these, for these two blocks, because um, they didn't have, they didn't enjoy very good ties with the Obama administration. Uh, they thought that Obama's outreach to the Iranians was a mistake. Uh, and then they found comfort with the Trump administration. Also, uh, Trump's son-in-law, Jair Kushner, has uh, direct contacts with uh, the Saudi Crown Prince, the Abu Dhabi Crown Prince, which, who is the de facto ruler of uh, UAE, Mohammed bin Zayed, uh, as well as the Israeli leadership. Uh, so they, I mean, both the blocs, both the Sunni Arab blocs, as well as uh, uh, the Israelis, they found it comfortable to deal with a Trump administration. So President Trump returning to office, returning to the White House after the November election is the best case scenario. Uh, they would be expecting. But still, there is a problem. The problem is that President Trump, while supporting these these two blocs, 
his attention is shifting away from the middle east or, or or rather you know if you look at the the attention of the us foreign policy the us establishment is structurally shifting away from from the middle east to east asia you know where china is emerging as a bigger challenge for the united states and trump especially right. in the last uh, few months uh, have stepped up his attacks on china so it's kind of there is a you know kind of a cold war is looming between the chinese and the americans so of course the the focus of the next us administration would be on east asia so which means the united states is practically speaking the united states is withdrawing from uh, from the middle east which leaves a vacuum uh, so who is going to fill in this vacuum there are lots of other countries you know china wants to play a bigger role russia is already playing a bigger role iran is uh, you know uh, on the surge so these countries are actually i think they have shared concerns about about the with the travel of the united states the retreat of the united states so uh, my sense is that they are you know they are finding uh, it, it it would it would make them better prepared you know to weather these currents to weather these changes if they have an agreement if they formalize uh, their relationship you know uh, which has been underway anyway for the last many many last several years so that's one factor second you, you look at the second possibility suppose that trump loses the election and a democratic uh, administration is coming uh, to washington and the joe biden you know the democrats still support the iran nuclear deal because that is an obama legacy piece you know and still uh, it has supporters in washington so what if yeah. joe biden uh, restores the iran nuclear deal you know maybe there will be a reno- we, we don't know there could be a renegotiation and he restores the iran nuclear deal and lifts sanctions again uh on iran in return for some compromises so which means these two blocks the israelis and the arabs will be under american pressure to live with you know to live with a new resurgent iran and they they, they will face pressure to accommodate iran into the diplomatic political and economic mainstream of the middle east so which is what obama when he was the president called you know uh the 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 major powers in the region will have to shape a cold peace they have to live in a cold peace the israelis the arabs and the persians so uh, the arabs and the israelis would face this you know pressure from a biden administration they could face pressure from a biden administration to live in cold peace with the iranians so that's also a possibility so they have this both these concerns one is that of a retreating uh, united states and the other is that of a democratic administration coming to the white house and putting pressure on them so i think in both scenarios in both these scenarios they might find it you know uh, easier to deal with these scenarios if they are together i think these 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 concerns may have driven them uh, to reach this agreement and the third the third you know factor is uh, the trump presidency itself because trump till yesterday the first trump administration didn't have any um you know uh, major diplomatic victory right trump had right. several bets you know he uh, reached out to the north koreans he uh, uh, ripped apart the iran nuclear deal and imposed the sanctions on iran what, what we call his maximum pressure strategy but the iranians didn't budge the iranians continued to remain hostile uh, and belligerent and uh, the Ira- the north korean outreach reached nowhere because the denuclearization which trump tried to sell is not working out at all north korea is still very much a nuclear power and the trump had reached an agreement with the taliban but 
you know, Trump, the Americans were forced to reach an agreement with the Taliban in return for practically, you know, uh, concessions from the Taliban because, uh, you know, the, the Americans had even kept the Kabul government out of the peace process and uh, reached the agreement with the Taliban. Uh, so these were not uh, great diplomatic victories as such. But uh, here I would say that the agreement between the Israelis and the, the, the Emiratis uh, which was uh, brokered by the Trump administration could be seen as a, a victory for Trump, President Trump himself at a time when he is going to polls. So, uh, and uh, so, yeah, so Trump finally got a diplomatic victory, uh, you know, uh, by uh, his friends. It was given by his friends in the region. So I think these three factors played a, played a role in the agreement. Right, yeah, I know that's a really fascinating way in which uh, these things all come together. And I guess only time will tell if uh, President Trump is able to, uh, in the face of uh, all the coronavirus troubles that the U.S. is facing, actually yeah. manage to spin this as a victory that is uh, that is worthy of the attention of uh, the American people. Yeah. Um, Stanley, um, always fascinating to speak to you. Thank you for joining us uh, for this uh, quick episode. Thanks, thanks. Uh, thank you very much, Jayam.